Welcome to another episode of the Command Team Corner. Today, we're honored to sit down once again with Brigadier General Steve Marks, Deputy Commanding General of the 1st Special Forces Command. I'll talk to him about some of the books he's been reading and how they've been impacting his thinking, and then we'll transition to talking about his time spent as the U.S. Army Garrison Italy Commander and how his time in that job has led to a broader leadership approach. So let's get to the show. Sir, I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule once again. Sit down and talk with us on the command team corner as we engage our command team to your thoughts and and the things that are on your mind. Get out to the force. So I appreciate you taking the time again today, sir. No, thanks, Dan. You do want to carve out enough space on your calendar so you can have these kind of conversations. And really, the podcast gives us that opportunity to communicate to the formation of potentially 23,000. If Hopefully, it will resonate at Echelon down to the lowest level so that folks can see at least what we're thinking here on the third floor at First Special Forces Command. All right, sir. So the, there's kind of two things I wanted to talk with you about today. The first one is, you know, it's been a little while since we've talked in the last episode, and I just wanted to know what kind of things that you've been reading, listening to, watching lately, and how that's kind of, you know, made you think or shaped your views on things lately. So we just finished about a week ago, the Young Lions event. And so at the Young Lions, it's for uh, captains, master sergeants, or E9s, uh, sergeant majors, and uh, CW2s that are identified by the CSUs, by the leadership of either the brigade or the uh, special forces groups or the POGs who are up-and-comers or those that have potential to lead at, at uh, higher levels. And so in preparation for that event, I knew that we were going to have Christian Bros as one of our guest speakers. So I went back and reread his book, The Kill Chain. Also, Peter Singer's book, Dr. Singer, was also a guest speaker at the Young Lions event. And so I wanted to reread Ghost Fleet and also pulled back up his latest book that August Colin and uh, Peter had co-authored, and it was Burn In. That takes place. They're a futurist in a lot of ways. So I wanted to look and see what he talked about, what he saw as the future in the next 10 to 15 years, because it's a great book that talks about future technologies and a lot of the technologies that he mentions in that book that talk specifically on those advancements in technology. And I just wanted to refresh my memory. Uh, recently, I finished Stephen Pressfield's book, Gates of Fire, which is, of course, the novel on the Battle of Thermopylae. And I highly recommend it to everyone. It's an amazing novel. And if you haven't read it, I would just say, go pick up a copy or download. It's a large book, but it, it is a fast read. I download all of my books on Audible. And uh, it really is a fascinating book. You know, it takes place uh, in 500 BC to about 480 BC, which is the Battle of Thermopylae. And it's about the Spartans and focuses primarily on the, the 300 that went out to meet the Persian Empire. Uh, during that time. So a fantastic book, and it should be mandatory reading for all military personnel. So I think most people are are probably familiar with the Hollywood version of that story from the movie 300 that came out uh, several years ago now. Uh, When I hear the title Gates of Fire, I immediately go back to when I read it as a cadet 15 or so years ago. And though I don't remember all the details from the story, what I do remember is the fire that it lit in me as a young cadet. And the story of service and sacrifice and of the warrior spirit. So I'm wondering what your takeaways from it were after uh, you read it for the first time. Well, for me, it's a lot about great leadership. They use numerous examples throughout the book. Uh, I think it's really would have benefited me more, of course, as a junior officer. I think if you have 
any passing interest in literature, history, freedom, civics, war, love, hate, or if you like Greece or the Spartans, it's a great book to pick up. You, you just need to open it up and start reading it. it. It may be boring the first couple pages, but after that, it starts to pick up. And I, I love the the discussion on the training that the Spartans go through, the discipline, how they handle their feelings. A lot of this discussion uh, that goes on in the book is about how to maintain your emotions and control your emotions. And I thought that was a, uh, a very insightful way that the Spartans uh, condition themselves to not only show emotion, but then how to control their emotions. And, and of course, it it leads on to stoicism, which I'm a fan of. And so I, th- I think that for anyone who's interested in any of those topics that I talked about, pick it up, especially if they love history. It's a great book. And you mentioned just prior to this recording, sir, that you were kind of nudged. You, you've kind of known that you should probably pick up that book for a little while, but were recently nudged by listening to a podcast. Yeah. So on from the Green Notebook they interview Stephen Pressfield. And until I listened to the podcast, I was unaware that uh, that Stephen Pressfield uh, started writing later on in life. But one of his first books was The Legend of Bagger Vance that got turned into, into a movie that Matt Damon starred in. Very good book. He's also a big avid golfer. So he talks about the uh, the art of the swing. And then this next book after that for him was The Gates of Fire. And he's written a lot of other books. And then his most recent one is The Man... At Arms, uh, he just recently published that back in early March. So there's a lot of goodness in in his books. So I recommend you pick it up. Awesome, sir. So uh, we mentioned the From the Green Notebook podcast, and we were just having a little bit of discussion about it was their podcast with General McChrystal as well. That was interesting conversation about Once an Eagle, kind of relooking that book, I think, over time. Well, that was the insight from General McChrystal and his reflection on that book specifically, because it was something that he would give out to uh, members of his command team when they left the command or they PCS'd uh, once an eagle. And it was an interesting perspective 40 years after he read it as a cadet, or maybe 45 years after he read it as a cadet at West Point back in the 70s, where he initially would, it's Massengill and Damon. So where as a cadet and probably as a junior officer, he was more aligned with Damon, the leader. But then as time went by, it kind of opened his eyes and his perspective that maybe Massengill was also a great leader. And so I think that uh, his perspective was something that I may need to go back and pick up the book again and, and take a look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, what he was saying is both, you know, are probably necessary in our army, right? Great leadership obviously is is necessary, but you also need kind of the processes and the staff folks to make things uh, really happen at the organizational level as well. So, yeah, that was interesting for me to hear him say that as he kind of reflected back and he's read it over time and right. uh, his thoughts have changed. So. All right. So the, the second thing I was wanting to ask you about today was a couple years ago, you had a job as U.S. Army Garrison Italy commander. So it got me wondering about your experiences with quote-unquote non-standard jobs or like maybe jobs that aren't maybe the more flashy type command jobs and just uh, maybe what you were thinking when you got selected for that and then kind of how it played out in terms of how it shaped you as a leader. So when I was told that I would be the garrison commander in Italy, that was about February of 2015, it was my third choice. So in some ways I was thankful that I did get my third choice. But I also, as I looked at it, I was like, this is something that's new, completely different. 
uh, I'm not accustomed to, I, I don't know anything about being a garrison commander. Some of the emails that I received congratulating me on that day that I was told were from former garrison commanders that were uh, Green Berets. And they told me that it was by far for them the most rewarding command that they'd ever had. And so that immediately sparked my uh, interest in knowing more. So I reached out to some folks who up at Carlisle who had written extensively about uh, being a garrison commander and their lessons learned. So I reached out to them via email, and then I gave them a call to talk to them specifically with some follow-up questions. And then I read uh, a couple articles that they'd written at the Army War College just to prepare myself. But I'd also say that whatever uh, position that you go into, if you're firm who you are and you know who you are and you know what you stand for, and some have heard me talk about this in the past on on previous podcasts, that having a clear understanding of what your purpose is uh, or your life purpose is, and for me, it's living a values-based life, totally focused on family, helping those who can't help themselves. I tied that into what I was going to be doing as a garrison commander. And so I knew that, you know, that this was going to be right up my alley because I could use my life purpose, my mission to make others, soldiers and their families, I guess, cope with problems that they may be having, some difficulties they may be having. Because as a garrison, you provide a lot of services. And I think in Italy, we had we provided 110 different services. And that ranges from everything from childcare to uh, school-aged children, events, or teenage centers that we put together. A lot of those, uh, of course, are MWR, maintained and resourced, but also uh, Soldier for Life, Total Army Program, those types of SFL TAP programs, and even with your defects, I mean, and maintaining the roads, all of those things. But what I got from it was how I could start helping those families that were struggling or having difficulty in a place like Italy. And initially, when you tell folks that they're going to be PCS to Italy, they would say, this is going to be great. But I remember what my son, who's now 11, but at the time he was six or maybe five years old, when I picked him up at the airport in Venice, my wife and my two boys came about a week or two after so I could start my handoff or doing my right seat ride with the guy that I was replacing. I remember my son looked out and he says, this place looks old. In some ways, it, it's going back in time. You know, internet, it's not AOL where you have the dial sound, but it's fairly close. But a lot of families struggle in Italy. I was probably signing two to three early return of dependents, which is basically signing off on a document that approved of them, whoever the sponsor was, whoever the soldier was, that their spouse would be returning to the States with their children. And that saddened me because then that kind of told me that in most cases that their marriage was probably over with because of the difficulty that they were having with adjusting to the life in Italy. And so I set upon my time there to change that. And, and simple things, everything from what I started to see was we saw a lot of the soldiers getting pulled over or getting in car accidents. And when they would be breathalyzer was administered, they had a high blood alcohol level. And that concerned me. And so I wanted to go about and find new ways to address the soldiers' problems, especially the ones that were in their barracks. Is there any way I can create an environment that they wouldn't just have to hang out in their barracks room, but they could actually go to the gym, for example? And so we, uh, I reached out to MCOM, Installation Management Command, and pitched to the general at the time, the lieutenant general, uh, Katie Dahl, the idea of having 24-7 fitness and that the Army gyms in Italy would be 24-7 fitness. And I was able to show that a simple thing of where you just come to the back door and you, you've already registered your CAC card, and then we've added a scanner and allows them to have access 24-7, even during the holidays. We changed the environment 
that our soldiers and their families. And we opened it up to the families and any uh, teenager that was 14 years or older that had an ID card, we opened it up to them and that they could utilize the facilities. And what we saw was the number of, of incidences that were alcohol-related drop. We also saw the high levels of the back or the blood alcohol content was coming down a lot. And then what we also started seeing was a number of ERODs, early return of dependence. Uh, I started then only signing maybe one a week. And my goal was to sign zero a week. But we started seeing stronger marriages. I got several comments uh, when I would be at the either commissary or at the PX, because we all lived on base there in Italy, or majority of us lived on base. And I would hear from the spouses telling me that they appreciated the fact that now when their soldier returns home from day at either the 173rd or U.S. Army Africa, that they could come home and either they together could go to the gym because it was going to be open 24-7 or that the spouse was able to take off with her friends or his friends and go to the gym. And so they had a higher opinion of themselves. They had some goals. They set some goals, and they were able to achieve those goals. So I thought it was really good that just a simple thing like that, 24-7 fitness, changed the direction and changed the outcome of families that were living in Italy and, and specifically in the Vicenza area. The other thing I would tell you is I wanted to get into the barracks. I wanted to get in there and see what they had going on or at least give them opportunities so that they just didn't have to hang out in the barracks. So we had uh, midnight sports leagues on Friday night. We had MWR help us with, but they would provide the referees, but we'd do dodgeball tournaments or we'd do basketball tournaments or volleyball tournaments. And they would always take place at 2200 and it would go until midnight in that way that I could keep the single soldiers out of the barracks room, but also get them down to participate in a team sport. And then we would just provide referees for those events. But getting them out of the rooms and and away from the bottle or from just being isolated was something that I had concerns about. And I wanted to make sure that we as a garrison provided some services and opportunities for them to get out of the rooms. What would you say is some of the things maybe you either learned or experienced in that type of job as you've carried forward into maybe this job or other jobs and or maybe have changed how you lead or how you think about leadership? What I realized from my time at Garrison was is that I can change the environment. As a leader, you can change the environment immediately. And a lot of times it's just by the example that you set. And so for me, community of 16,000 in Italy, you know, it goes back to the I like to talk about the starfish story. You can't save all of them, but you can maybe save one or two. That's what I looked at with with my time in garrison was is my ability. I knew that I couldn't change everyone and their mindset in Italy, but I knew that there was a possibility I could reach out to some and affect their lives in a positive way. And so you just bring that on. You get more confidence, I'd say, that you you start to develop more confidence that an idea like 24-7 fitness initially sounded like a crazy idea to some of the older folks that were in the garrison. They're like, this has never happened. What are we going to do? We're going to lose all this equipment. They're going to steal this equipment out of the gyms and all that kind of stuff. And they never did, by the way. To if your idea makes sense, then I would say that go for it and don't worry about what they say. And it was a something I've taken on and taken in every job following my assignment over in Italy, that if the idea makes sense, then then you should probably uh, put energy behind it and make it become a reality. So, sir, you said that having a professional value statement and applying that to whatever uh, job you're going into is going to make that job more meaningful for you and for those you lead. What other advice would you have for someone getting ready to go into a job that they're not that excited about because maybe it's outside of what they think of as 
their ideal career path? If your next assignment gets you off track and what you have as your ideal perfect career, I would suggest that one, be open-minded, be an optimist, not a pessimist. Start reaching out to folks who have been in that job previously. Get their thoughts, their perspective. Talk to them. Uh, educate yourself. I'm amazed, you know, nowadays with with everything that's online and all the resources that are out there. And for me, able to watch videos on YouTube and finding someone who's an expert in a career field and then reaching out to them via email or phone call and talking to them and getting their perspective helps settle the soul a little bit. It, it definitely any type of anxiety that you have going off to a new job. And a lot of times it's just anxiety because of, it's something new. And so what you try to do is become more familiar with it, even though you may have not been in that position before. What you're now trying to do is how do I quiet the noise? How do I settle myself? How do I get rid of some of this anxiety? And what you have to do is, is you've got to educate yourself, dive into, into the YouTube videos that may have an interesting perspective or look at manuals or even all of our army doctrine helps build that foundation so you can get more familiar with it. And then having that, making sure that you do a right seat, left seat, making sure that you have a good transition is just a way to quiet the noise because that's what's, it's the fear of the unknown. And what I'm trying to do is say, hey, you've got to go an extra mile. You've got to go a little bit longer. You know, you've got to go an extra mile and to make sure that you can quiet some of that noise. And that means you got to do a little bit of your own homework. You've got to put a little bit more effort and energy and learning as much as you possibly can about that job. And I'm guessing, you know, what I hear often is what really matters is doing a, a good job in, in the job you have, right? And it's not always about getting the right job, but doing well in whatever job you have. Yes. And then it's also figuring out, okay, how do I serve this position to the best of my abilities? How do I bring what makes me unique to this job or this assignment and make it the best and, and leave it better for everybody else that's coming behind you? All right. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Command Team Corner. If you have topics you'd like to see addressed by the command team, let us know on the Commander's Blog located on the First Special Forces Command's portal page, or send us a DM on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.